14 minutes after the hour, 16 away from for those with us on Central Time. Coming to you from the studios of Galari Media, we're heading across the country by the National Indigenous Radio Service and very happy we have the return of the Yarra segments with Dean Matthews being first cab off the rank. Dean's no stranger to talking about land and sea management as he's been very much been in this field for a number of years and this is where his expertise lie not just as a saltwater man but as a man of being a part of culture that's forever evolving and in fact that was a highlight of this year's contribution to the Shingematsuri Festival. A fantastic evening was held at NBY which really gave local people and visitors an idea of the burling industry but also how uh, the Arrow people worked uh, alongside uh, the developments as uh, they were going on. Dean, welcome. Nice to have you back. Good evening, Sandy. And, yeah, it is nice to be back. It's been a long time since we spoke and, um, yeah, opportunity to come back again and share some of the projects um, with the, your listeners around some of the work that Yarrow are doing. Um, Primarily, my role in the in native title and environmental unit space. Um, you know, there's been a lot of progression in that space, but also here to share some about the history and and, and participating in the senior event this year. Um, obviously, I MC the night with um, as part of that the Bugatti Gara uh exhibition at Yaru um, because of the dreaming. Um, you know, where the, ultimately the night kicked off with you know, a smoking ceremony. We had a couple of young aspiring uh, leaders coming through, uh, Johanny Marmada and young Anjo Phillips, um, that took a tour of um, the office and, and gave a, uh, you know, gave a, I suppose, an interpretation of the um, Yaru history. Um, and that was followed by a dinner um, and shared stories by uh, my bobbles, Kevin Portolano, Johnny Portolano and Jimmy Edgar. Um, so it was a great night. Few people turned up too, didn't they? Yeah, it, it was. Um, I think we had fifty tickets um, to the event because it was quite a small event um, and just sort of testing the waters. It was sort of building on from previous uh, uh, nights that we held with Sinew. Um, you know, I think the year before we held a, a storytelling night at the uh, Streeters Jetty, and we talked about, um, and that was myself, Ronald Swanee, uh, Kevin Portolano and Nevin Paulina. We talked about our, I suppose, cultural attachment to the pearling history and how we w- grew up in that, um, you know, sort of the last era. Um, you know, fortunately for someone like myself, I, I spent 10 years in the pearling industry, um, so I gave a little bit of an insight into what that entailed. Um, because I was sort of the youngest of that generation. Um, the boys before me were, I suppose, in the, in the uh, diving industry. Um, but, you know, a lot, I think, not only Yarrow people, but um, a lot of the indigenous groups that resided in Broome, um, you know, fundamentally were a strong part of the pearling history here. You think about the boat builders, the late Mr. Nibiru, um and Mr. Hunter, the Dantoins. Um, 
You know, so that was, it is part of our fabric and and who we are as a community. Um, a lot of the, I suppose, indigenous groups that resided here um, were, I suppose, fundamentally a part of the, you know, early development and establishment of Broome. So we need to pay recognition to that. Um, and so the night sort of talked about our involvement in that. And obviously with, um, you know, the three bros that I had up on the stage, um, they had a lot of stories. So for me, it was to... Um, hear a lot about those stories and, and how um, that early day broom with broom beats and the music um, that come part of that. Um, we didn't have any nightclubs back then, so you know music is in our blood. Um, and if you looked at the great shows and plays that have come out of broom and music talent, um, you know that's yeah still existence. And glory is a, I suppose, an outcome of that as well. Um, you know, from the great community uh, input into that. It is, and it's it's just so important to get these stories told because once upon a time, uh, during uh, those heydays of pearling, Aboriginal people weren't were and weren't a part of well, were a part of it, but weren't so much recognised. So it was just those policies of the day back then. Very true. Um, you know, there is a sad past of that. Um, you know, in regards to the nature of um, you know blackbirding. Um, you know, uh, a lot of the pearling masters went up and down the coast and, and you know, the, so there's that, that tragic past of that. Um, so that story needs to be told. The women of, um, you know, because uh, of their lung capacity, um, they were able, you know, to, to, to dive. Um, so that uh, statue down at the uh, foreshore there is a remembrance to um, the females uh, that participated in that and we cannot forget that that, that it was a very tr- tragic um, and, and hurtful part of our past. Um, and it's something that you know, um, you know, w- it, we need to recognise. But um, we, uh, grow strength from as well. Um, you know, I think um, you know we're very resilient people. Um, Yarra have always been welcoming as a as a native title group. You know, with the establishment of Broome. Um, yeah. So we talked about the white Australia policy um, here as well. Um, the '67 referendum and how the the Common Gate and how people were actually locked out of the town. And it's quite interesting to hear stories from, you know, my bubblers, Johnny and Kevin, and you know, about citizenship and, you know, um, you know, yeah, uh, you know, they were, I suppose, once you got citizenship, you were allowed inside the common gate. But if you think about it, if you had a family of nine siblings and one of those siblings played up and, and broke the law, then the, your father or mother could potentially lose that citizenship right and then outside of the common gate. So, you know, Aboriginal people are locked out from six um, to six at night. So, you know, um, it's quite, his, uh, I suppose, a tragic past of broom. But, um, you know, that's, if you looked at who we are and where we are now, um, it hasn't, you know, stopped us from um, moving forward. Um, it's something that we it, we grow strength from. Um, and, you know, we carry forward um, as part of our community. <clears throat> and But we want that, you know, the broader community and those visitors to broom to understand the nature of who we are. Um, not only Yarrow people, but the other indigenous groups that have resided in Broome for many generations, um, through no fault of their own, through historical past policies of government. Um, so, you know, in, in context of thinking about that in modernity of where we are now and in Yarrow native title, um, Yarrow uh, not only has to make decisions for the native title group itself, for the Yarrow community, but the broader indigenous community of Broome too as well. So that is complex um, and, and create can be very divisive um, but you know I think we need to unite as, as, as indigenous people um, we cannot you know um, play that conquer and divide game of, of what you know historical government policies have put into place so um, you know hence why if we talk about you know um, that 
Yarrow people, um, and you know, our, you know, I come from the perspective of um, we saltwater people, and Yarrow's saltwater country has provided for Yarrow people, not only Yarrow people, but the other groups that have resided here for many generations. It's provided us for the resilience, um, and I always use the analogy of the blood cockle. You know, um, the blood cockle make up predominantly all of the midden sites here in Broome, um, and that blood cockle has provided high iron source for Yarrow people and Indigenous people um, as part of their staple diet. Um, and it's part of their health and well-being and social, emotional well-being. So, um, you know, if we talk about well-being of Roebuck Bay, um, protecting turtles and dugongs and, and marine resources is fundamentally very high on the priority for Yarra people um, because fundamentally because of what that uh, those resources have provided for us for thousands of generations and we want to ensure that the next generation still in, um, have that uh, to do, to enjoy um, what we have and, and, and what our forefathers and mothers have enjoyed. So how do we p- allow that um, the next generation to um, enjoy those um, values um, and lifestyle that would be fundamentally a strong part of who we are? Mm, talking about cockles, they made me hungry. We can't go for turtles so much anymore. We've got to think about the environment, the conservation side of... Uh, keeping what we have with our marine life. There's been some research being done on green turtle genetics. Yeah, Sandy, um, as you know, I wear a number of hats within the Yarrow corporate group, but also um, taking leadership. um, You know, I think we talked about the Kimberley Indigenous Saltwater Science Project that was part of the West Australian Marine Science Institute um, project on the Kimberley Conservation Strategy. And part of that was the, you know, establishment of the Indigenous Saltwater Advisory Group, which is made up of 10 representative uh, Indigenous saltwater groups from Balangara, um, Wunambolgambara, Dambi Mangari, Bari Jawi, we've got Mayala coming on board now, um, Nyonyul, Yaru, uh, Garijari, and all the way down to Nyangamara. So there's people... If you looked at that, it's a vast geographical location. Um, but what we what we've uh, come together and agreed that we need to have a united voice in regards to how do we participate in the blue economy? Um, and I talk about the blue economy is how do we provide opportunities for our ranger groups to manage and protect key cultural values that are significant to us. And you know, marine resources are very high on our, our values list. Um, you know, so how do we work with government now? Um, there are a lot of state government uh, marine parks that we are in joint management with, and also Commonwealth marine parks that are butting state government marine parks. So through the Parks Australia, which is the Commonwealth in, uh, uh, agency that is responsible for managing Commonwealth parks, through their Indigenous engagement framework, we are quite strategic in, in wanting to make the uh, somewhat the Commonwealth accountable, I suppose, in relation to what we, um, you know, we, we're seeing that there is more frequency and take of, of marine resources, particularly turtle and dugong now, um, but we want to educate our community that the turtles that forage in our local areas do not reside there. A lot of our turtles that come, well, particularly for Roebuck Bay, they, they do not have a rookery here. So when I talk about rookery, is they don't have a nesting site here. Rob, uh you know, Yarrow country predominantly has um, is the home of flatback turtles. Um, all of the nesting that occurs on Yarrow country has been majority flatback turtles. So we suspect that that from previous knowledge um, and and research that that the Lesbian Islands is, is 
a key rookery for all of the Dampier Peninsula uh, groups um, in relation to the turtles that are foraging in areas. So we know that there are pressures increasing from climate change, um, climate change having an impact on the lesser beet islands um, from sea level rise. So sea level rise has impact on the nest or that, that turtles have on um, lesser beet. So any turtle nest that is below the high water mark um, gets inundated and, and obviously those nests don't uh, hatch. So with sea level rise, the pressure of um, that is putting on our rookery. Um, so we need to look at well, how is our rookery sustaining itself and what do we need to do in regards to looking at the hunting aspect of um, frequency of take. Um, you know, I think we're finding that the younger generation now through social media, there is more sort of a boasting, um, you know, whether it's boasting or, or um, showing off status, I suppose, in, in regards to, well, I can, you know, um, you caught two yesterday, well, I can go and get three, you know, but it's sort of, well, that, that's some of the, I suppose, um, evidence sort of, sort of might be inclining that's what's happening, um, you know, uh, without thinking about the, the frequency of that take and those other pressures that are surmounting, um, you know, plastics is another one, stormwater, you know, so if we know turtles, they like to eat plastic bags because plastic bags look like jellyfish underwater, um, and that's predominantly in Roebuck Bay. Um, you know, there's there's sea sea nets are another. You know, fishing nets are a huge impact on sea turtles as well because um, they you know once the trawlers, the these big international trawlers, cut off their sea sea nets um, and they float in the ocean, they they you know, tend to catch turtle as well. But coming back to the genetics one. It's about being smart. So the G green turtles genetics is trying to identify. So each group is um, go out, take a sample of turtle um, from the area. We send it back to the laboratory, and and the genetic sequence and the code that comes back, you can start to look at relationship of those stocks that each group. So if you think about it, each group from northern uh, Balangara round to Nyangamara, if they, you know, we all provide that level of um, the samples back. We'll paint a picture in regards to the relationship of the turtles that we have foraging in our backyards um, and where do they all come from because some of the tracking data that we've been putting on turtles, some of the turtles are going to Bali and um, Indonesia. Um, so we all share the same sort of stock in Northern Australia, um, but how do we manage the stock um, that, you know, sit within a lot, you know, a lot of the traditional owner, um, country now? So it's just trying to work together collaboratively and smartly around trying to, you know, um, and one, one, I suppose, one step hold the government accountable at because the government have uh, at the Commonwealth level have our responsibilities to manage these species under the EPBC Act, um, the Environmental Protection of Biodiversity Conservation Act, and we want to work with them, you know, because we're the end user, so end user is the hunter but we also want to be a part of the higher level conversation in the policy at the Commonwealth level in regards to planning and management of these species as well. So that's something that we're trying to make inroads to. Mm. Gee, turtles want to go for holidays too, overseas to Bali. Dean Matthews is with us. He's with the Land and Sea Management Unit at Yari Nyambaburu. He wears a number of hats. Dean, whilst you've been... Uh, in lockdown and, and coming out of lockdown, I understand you got a, it's got a new boat now. Yes, uh, Jurawai. So the Joint Marine Park Board. Um, yeah, we commissioned uh, the new vessel, and that's the vessel that will um, hopefully take us into the next space of um, implementation of the marine park plan. This is the kickstart research in in Roebuck Bay. Um, 
it was designed to uh, do a number of, um, I suppose, aspects into into marine research. So it was designed to carry croc traps. Um, we have a crocodile uh, uh, program here, um, but also, you know, it, it allows us um, to do bigger things, um, to get more out on country and to undertake more research in Roebuck Bay. The, the previous vessel wasn't, um, I suppose, suitable um, for what we needed to do. Um, so we, we looked at it um, as an investment and, um, you know, very significant sort of milestone um, in, in the journey of Yaru um, in the context. Um, first time that sort of type of vessel was built by the state in, in context of joint management. Um, very proud to be a part of the project. Um, we had one of our young uh, Yaru men, uh, Anthony Portolano um, or Richardson, uh, develop, um, you know, the project and, and project led the, from the concept to design and to the delivery. So for us, that was a huge investment. Um, one of our boys um, being involved in every step of the design of that boat and also to the delivery of that boat and also him skippering that boat now. So if we looked at capacity building of our people. Um, that's a huge investment from us, um, you know, in regards to the Joint Management Ranger Program. Um, and the value of that is that we have Yarra people skilled in, in that level of um, capacity within, you know, project management, but also where we want to go to, um, that long-term objective on the horizon. You know, we have to think long-term here. And how do we come together um, as a community? Because we all, no matter if we're black, white or brindle, um, we all enjoy Roebuck Bay in some form of sense at the end of the, at the, end of the day or the weekend. Um, so it's all in our best endeavour that we all come together and look at, you know, the social and emotional well-being that Roebuck Bay provides um, not only to people from a recreational um, sense, fishing um, use, but people are just going out there and enjoying, you know, the views of the bay. If you looked at what a town beach now, and you know, people, um, we always say that that looking at that saltwater country, feed our land, you know, because um, we all have attachment with saltwater country as Indigenous people. Um, but you know, for the greater community, um, you know, we know there is some bigger projects coming up. Um, hence the broom boating facility that's been contentious, a new marine supply base. But how do we um, ensure that the, the, there's a whole of government approach as well? Um, we have to break down this siloed nurse between government departments because they need to come and start looking at how we view management of country and that's a holistic and interconnected way. So in turn, government needs to operate like that as well. Um, you know, we deal with one department in one meeting and then we go and deal with, you know, have another meeting with the same department that has um, management um, obligations in the, in, the, in the bay. So how do we come together as a whole um, and have conversations? So, you know, um, and that's with the Shire as well. Um, so development can occur sustainably and protect those um, cultural and ecological values that fundamentally what everybody come here for, you know, people come to Broome for the aesthetics and the values. Um, so that can't be lost, you know. Tourism has always been a backbone here for Broome in many of years. Um, pearling industry has come and gone. The agricultural industry has always been here, but tourism, um, you know, people come here for the beautiful views and, and that, that turquoise waters of Roebuck Bay and, you know, and, and catching fish and, and just enjoying it. So therefore we must ensure that we protect these values moving forward. Um, they can't be lost in the, in the sake of... Um, you know, development and the development at, at without, you know, forethinking how that development might impact these things that people come to enjoy. Mm. And just lastly, Dean, you yourself as a, a former ranger, or still a ranger, really, mm -hmm. a former pearl worker, you yourself have 
extensive knowledge of a young boy growing up around Broome, you've been up to, no doubt, plenty of mischief around the foreshores, uh, just having a great old time there like many. You mentioned the design of uh, this new vessel was uh, purposely designed. How is it different from uh, the, the last one, the, the Stingray one? Yeah, the, the, I suppose, yeah. Um, Jungle Buddy, the, the Stingray, we, we, um, the, so the new vessel that we had is a, is, is a catamaran. Um, the, the other vessel we had was very small in its deck size. It had a, it was a I suppose a, a rib inflated um, uh, concept design the previous old vessel um, uh, Jungle Buddy. Uh, we had a couple of issues there where we'd pull turtles on board and and obviously the, you know with turtles with their beaks they like to bite things and, and obviously we, we had a little bit of a mishap there. But um, the new vessel is is is, uh, is a catamaran um, design, um, so it's more stable. Um, it's got a bigger uh, deck space so we can pull on crocodile traps. It's got winches, so we can pull up crocodiles and haul them in. Um, it has got an air-conditioned cab, so we can bring, um, you know, if we're bringing elders out onto country, it's, it's, there's a little bit of element of comfort there as well. Um, you know, it's designed for uh, uh, croc uh, spotting, so at night we do croc patrols, um, the rangers do. Um, yeah, so it's 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 uh it's much bigger. It's eight meters in length, and I think it's about two and a half to three meters in, in the beam of it. Very stable. It allows us to sit it on. You know, if we wanted to sit it up on a mud flat and 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 bring quad bikes to do shore um surveillance monitoring on the other side, it allows us to park up and and do that because the bow drops down. Um, a much bigger vessel and 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 more room to do stuff and carry the stuff. So um, and very stable. So um, yeah. It gives us a number of, um, I suppose, opportunities to do uh, multiple um, different uh, research, um, and which is yeah, it, it allows the capacity for us to yeah um, implement a lot of um, research projects now. Certainly allows a lot of the young ones an opportunity of coming through and taking Yaru very much into the twenty first century. People like yourself, Dean, and others. Looking good out there. Got to check out this new catamaran. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's something that I've been trying to. Um, yeah, we had the christening, but now um, you know, I've got a lot of elders saying, "Well, when's our turn to go out and go fishing?" Um, so I've been trying to arrange that. Um, you know, with uh, with the department and, and just to ensure that that the right tide and, and and you know the conditions are right to take our elders out. Um, but yeah, just just going back to that next generation. You know, like um. So there's, we've put out, a, there's a number of positions coming up in the um, Yaru Indigenous Protected Area Program. Um, one of them is, is a, a marine ranger. And, and, and when you talk about um, our young people needing to, you know, build capacity. So, you know, with the forethought, I, I want, um, you know, I said to my manager, look, we need to start thinking about um, tertiary qualifications. So, you know, um, young people wanting to go on to be marine biologists, um, you know, uh, as to, you know, we only have one sort of indigenous marine biologist in the region, um, that's Miley Hutton, um, and, and, you know, works for the CSIRO. She's a Bari Jawi girl. But, you know, I think this is where um, there's the, the opportunities we need to start pushing our young people into these higher um, degrees around not just being rangers, but there are the opportunities that are um, coming in this space. I have I've met with the Australian Institute of Marine Science yesterday, a couple of research scientists coming back from Bari Jawi country, 
you know, these 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 um, agencies are knocking on our door, saying, "Are there any Indigenous people out there that are aspiring to be marine research scientists?" So I think we're starting to start to look at that now and push our younger people. How do we target those young people coming out of um, year twelve and wanting on to go on to tertiary qualifications? But how can we provide a pathway for them um, around you know land and sea um, aspects of um, that role? Um, you know, because everybody wants to be a ranger, but then also, you know, I think there are other opportunities for other, um, you know, uh, I suppose terrestrial and, and, and marine side um, research. You know, we need to go into research monitoring data collection and analysis, you know. Um, that's the next step we need to do because um, we need to collect data, um, you know, uh, and how do we analyse that data and, and give us a bit of a picture of health or, or, or way that things are, you know... Um, Healthy or not healthy, I suppose that's the objective, isn't it? We want to keep things healthy. You know, that's why we have healthy country plans, the majority of us, um, you know, because fundamentally we have a relationship with that rela- um, country, but a relationship amongst each other through law and culture to protect those things as well. Hmm. Standing on Cabo Beach, looking out on the Indian Ocean, there's no limit there to the horizon, is there? That's it. We have to look at that horizon and, you know, we have to look at that horizon in, you know, a long-term horizon too because we need to, you know, how do we get to somewhere we want to be in 20 years down the track and then you step out, you know, the strategic planning for that, you know. Um, we can't have short-term visions. Um, they need to be long-term visions. But um, the long-term vision is, you know, for us in the Marine Park, Yaru working with its partners and stakeholders, in the long-term sustainable and management of, of Roebuck Bay, um, and that's fundamentally landward and seaward because what happens on the land could have detrimental impact on your sea country. Um, so, you know, um, Yarra is supporting um, seagrass monitoring um, through the Joint Marine Park because seagrass is like your canary in the coal mine. Um, you know, if, if, if your seagrass start dying, um, you know, we know that that's an early warning indicator your marine country is not right. So... It's about us learning too about how do we become smart in the research world um, and measuring and monitoring things because primarily we've come from a very anecdotal society. Everything's passed down through knowledge transmission. It is, it's verbal. We've never been a society that has written down our knowledge um, over time. It's been passed down through song, uh, dance and, and law and culture. But now we're moving into the 20th century where, you know, as um, what they refer to as the the fourth and in, uh, the fourth industrial revolution is going to be around data and technology. So if you think about it, that you know, um, collecting data and information is is, uh, is, is um, can have knowledge, and knowledge can have power. But that power, knowledge and power, data sets become they're an economic. Um, if you think about it, in these days, people want to buy data, uh, statistical data, um, want to utilize data. So. We need to start playing that game too, um, you know, collecting data um, and, and, you know, ensuring that our rangers have the right devices to collect data and information on country, but also the software and program for them to come back and analyse that data. Um, we need to be self-reliant. Um, a lot of that was, um, you know, is, is still done by other non-Indigenous people. Um, so we need to start thinking about how we collect data for ourselves and analyse that data to inform ourselves about how our management is going. Um, you know, there's multiple ways that you can use the data. Um, for one, statistical data, you know, the ABS, you know, um, miscount and representation of people in, in the, you know, regional areas has um, impact on how government, you know, um, hands out money through federal and, and state budget. So we think about how we need to uh, 
I think it's around Indigenous data sovereignty. Um, you know, um, we need to look at how the Murrays are utilising data. Um, the First Nation um, American Indians are, and the First Nation British Columbians are. You know, um, since we last talked, I've been to back to America again and, and looked at how First Nations groups, especially in America and Canada, are utilising their opportunities on reservations for economic development, um, but you know, also using data and inform, I suppose, information about their society um, you know, and how are we actually making it better. Are we actually delivering on closing the gap initiatives through, you know, our own organisations as well, um, you know. So there are other things that, yeah, we, um, as a small organisation, when you think about it, Nyambu, Nyambu Yara or the Yara Corporate Group, um, we're pretty much like a little shy within ourselves with the, the programmes that we deliver, um, both community land and sea environmental but also you know the economic pillar um, which is challenging in some contexts because you know for us to survive um, and, and move forward and, and have um, self-determination and um, you know that's the challenge we're moving into a corporate world and corporate sphere corporate sphere I mean commercial commercial cultural commercial world you know how do we protect our we come from a values-based system but now we're playing in modernity um, you know uh how do we create the economic wheel to turn when all of our assets sit within the land? Where you know, asset you know, land rich in, in assets, but you know, um, very small in the liquid side of things. So how do we generate income from our land assets, um, which is challenging because some you know people are, have attachment to that landscape <laughs> um, in the context of land, and um, you know, so how do we provide um, development opportunities? Um, but you know, I think. Well, um, you know, I always come from the point of um, sustainability and protection of the environment first. Um, and if you get those things right, um, how do you minimise the the impacts from your um, development um, on those uh, from the development footprint on your cultural values? So, how you know, using geospatial mapping is another tool that we try to bring in um, to try and, I suppose. Um, you know, it's a good communication tool. I think maps speak a thousand languages. You know, we can all communicate around a map and, and, and when you share and, and talk or do planning around a map, um, you know, I think it, it can reflect how we protect um, cultural and ecological assets that are in the landscape um, to ensure that, you know, those, those I suppose, development footprints um, don't have any impact on them. So it's yeah, it's um, challenging in that space sometimes, um, especially when you don't have a native title right in areas. It's you're using a process where, um, yeah, you just in your engagement process where you can try to you know get win-win offsets that protect your cultural and environmental um, uh, you know assets in that in country, but you know um, allow things to move. I suppose um, progress without yeah too much <laughs> angst. Yeah. Oh, Dean, it's just been awesome having you back in the studio. Love your dulcet tones, <laughs> your wit, your smarts. Wow. What can't you do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for having me back. It's been a pleasure. I always, you know, always think about, you know, the conversation we had and I think it's, you know, it's good that we're back here now and it's a good way to reach out into the community about some of the things we're doing and how we want to community to come along too as well so yeah thank you for having me back oh you're more than welcome dean matthews with the land and sea management unit a former pearl worker ranger and of course 
a community-minded person with those special cultural links. In with the first of uh, the Yaru segments uh, coming out of lockdown for 2020. 